Every day I pick up my daughter at school and I see this other mom waiting for her little boy. She wears a, is it, is it called a hijab? Am I saying that right? People kind of keep their distance. I never see anyone talk to her. Sometimes I think I should, but about what? My office mate is one of those antagonistic atheists. Someone who's made it his personal battle to debunk all religion and make fun of people of faith. Sometimes I just get so angry at all the stuff he has to say. Other times, I get embarrassed. How am I supposed to share my faith with someone like that? Our upstairs neighbor is the crankiest old lady. And she only ever talks to us when she wants to complain. And of course, she's home all the time. I, I don't even know what she does all day. Like, I don't even know her name. And I, I don't know if she has a family and if she's lonely. But what am I supposed to do about that? Uh, yeah, so we got uh, uh, some new neighbors across the street. Um, a gay couple. Yeah, they seem really nice, uh, friendly even. I mean, they invited us over for dinner sometime. Uh, but, you know, once they find out that we're Christian, that'll be the end of that. Right? Every morning I get my coffee from the same place, usually from the same girl. She's young, energetic. She's always wearing a Black Lives Matter pin or a political t-shirt, something with a message, a, a cause. I admire that. It reminds me of myself when I was 20, <laughs> believe it or not. I have this crazy idea of inviting her to an event at my church. But something always stops me. I mean, why would she listen to somebody like me? Well, good evening, GC at night. So last winter, I was walking through Harvard Square, and there was this man on the corner handing out flyers to everybody. And uh, I, know, I know this moment well, spending a, a fair amount of time in cities like New York and Philadelphia and here in Boston. I usually just keep my head down, change direction a little bit, and pick up my pace, um, avoid eye contact at all costs, and just keep on going. But on that particular cold, wintry night, uh, I, 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 for some reason, I was just kind of taking in the moment, and I decided to kind of just look in to see what, we, what he was handing out. I didn't know if the flyer was going to be about you know, selling mattresses. Um, I didn't know if it was going to be a flyer for like a free appetizer at some sketchy restaurant uh, or a even more sketchier type of flyer, if, if you know uh, what, what, what goes on sometimes in those blocks. And um, I, they, you know, they, they never give out a copy of the New Yorker or the Atlantic Monthly, right? It's, it's just always something that you don't really want. Um, and as he, was, as he was extending his hand towards me, I started slowing down a little bit, and I, 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 I made eye contact. Um, and then I took my hands out of my pocket, and then I stopped. In the city, that are, those are mistakes one, two, and three, right? Like, that's it. You're, 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 you're done right there, right? And I, I, I looked at the pamphlet, and I saw the words, Jesus, 
dot, dot, dot. And then I started taking in kind of my surroundings, and on the, on the ground, uh, there were all these street signs calling for repentance and, and warning about the dangers of hell. Signs like this one, not literally that one, um, but, but very much th- that type of language. Turn to Jesus or burn in hell. And I, you know, I am one of these strange extroverts. Uh, I try not to be an annoying extrovert, but you know, you know, some some others can decide that, I guess. And I and I wanted to speak into the moment uh, with, with some wisdom and, and some thoughtfulness. And I <clears throat> cleared my throat, um, trying to get some some wisdom out of my voice. And I thought to ask him, well, "How are you doing tonight?" And I, I thought that like just the simple humanity of the question would just kind of put us on, on the same page and we'd just kind of break the ice a little bit. We'd have like, you know, a good, you know, heart-to-heart conversation. But instead, um, he said something like, you know, with, with, a, with a voice of both profoundness and super-religiosity, he said something like, well, it's another day, but I thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for giving me air into my lungs that I may preach his word and I've been forgiven for my sins. And he was like, I don't know if he was talking to me or if he was still kind of preaching out into the air. Um, like he was looking around, but then he turned his attention quickly back on me. And I thought to myself, oh man, why did I break rules one, two, and three with the eye contact, the hands in my pocket and stopping? A conversation ensued. And uh, I... I after it was over, I, I left wondering, do moments like these and, and do street corner preachers and encounters like that, do those things hurt the kingdom of God? Do they help in any way? Because I would be lying if, if, I would to, if I would told you that there was a part of me that wished that he really was selling mattresses or something like that. Um, there's, there's a part of me that kind of wished that he was promoting a different religion than mine. I thought a good while about this exchange, and we'll revisit this you know, a bit later. But tonight, uh, we, we, we want to be talking about what it looks like to share our faith. And so we've, we've taken a few weeks off of our current series, Thrive, uh, for Global Awareness Week, and uh, Brian's excellent message on thinking biblically about politics. Uh, so tonight, we're re-entering our Thrive series, and we're going to wrap that up next week. But again, tonight, we're going to be talking about what it looks like to share our faith while not scaring our friends. So what we like to do here at GC at night, we, we like to talk a little bit about the negative first. Um, it's actually one of my favorite things about this particular community at night. I, I, I like that over the years that we've just been able to kind of acknowledge some of the tension that goes on in, in church life and in the life of the Christian faith. Because some of us have been around churches for a really long time, right? And, and, some of, and we have mixed feelings about even some of the good things that happen in church. But like, you know, we, there's just so many different angles and perspectives and nuances to all this stuff. We have mixed feelings. And some of us have not been around churches very long at all. And, and there's good reason for that as well. Talking about Christianity can, can sometimes feel a bit scary, a bit undesirable. And sometimes they, the way that the conversation happens, sometimes it carries with a certain undertones that bring frustration or hurt or disappointment. For instance, when I say the word evangelism, what do some of you feel? Evangelism. I, I just saw it. I just saw it. It's like, I know it's good, but I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's one of these things, right? That's how I feel too. I come from a very over-churched background, and, and I have different traditions uh, you know, in, 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 my, in, the, in my rearview mirror of, of, my, of my life. 
And I've been around a lot of these soul-winning preachers, you know, who would, I've, I've shared this a few times before, but they would like yell into the microphone and they would sweat into the microphone and they would scream into the microphone. And I remember the feelings of, of guilt, of, of not being a good enough Christian in, in any way or not being a good enough person in any way. And I used to take it personally until I realized that pretty much everybody around me is feeling this, this badly as well. <laughs> And what I, for the life of me, I could never figure out, why do we keep inviting this guy back? Like, why? What is going on here? We feel guilty about these things. And, and, and for a lot of us, we would say in a series that, that's talking about thriving, that our evangelism is not really thriving. I think a lot of us might, might admit to that. Now, there's still, though, so much that draws us to church. There's still so much that draws us to Jesus. There's still so much that we love about the Christian faith, things that we've been singing about this evening. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't be here. We, we know in our hearts that, that, we, that we ought to share our faith, but, but often we, we, we are fearful that we're going to contribute to the hurt or that we're going to turn off our friends or that we're going to say something that, that actually brings dishonor to God, even if it's unintentional. And so we, we kind of hold out for a better day we, we hold out until we can kind of get our act together a little bit more. We procrastinate for maybe a better moment of, of conversation that, that, we, that we think will come. And as a result, we kind of slip into these patterns of not really sharing our faith with a world that really needs to hear about hope, about forgiveness, about love, about mercy. Part of it is because we're taking it seriously. And part of it is because we're a little bit fearful. Well, as we look at tonight's passage in Colossians chapter 4, I want you to see that, that the Apostle Paul has somewhat similar concerns. That, that he too wants to, to make sure that he is sharing his faith in a way that is truly honoring God. Because there's, there's a lot at stake in his mind. So if you would look at the screens or, or just follow along with me, I, I want to read the, these five short verses to you. But it begins in verse 2 in chapter 4 of Colossians. He says, Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tonight, I, as we talk about what it looks like to share our faith without scaring our friends, I want to give you these three postures. One is to be prayerful. The first verse, uh, the first verse that we looked at, devote yourselves to, be, to, to prayer, being watchful and thankful. The place to begin is to be prayerful. We, we generally know what it means to, to, to be prayerful. It means usually pray more, right? But notice what else Paul is saying. He expands it a little bit. He says, be devoted to prayer. Be devoted to prayer. When we ask each other, do, do you pray? Most people, in, in my observation, say, yes. Yes, I do. And then very quickly, most people say, but I know that I need to pray more. Right? Of course I pray, but I should pray more. But when asked, are we devoted to prayer? Well, well, it, it <laughs> depends what you mean by devoted, I guess. That's a much tougher question. Is your prayer life thriving? 
well, I mean, it kind of depends on what week you're, you're, you're talking to me on and what else is going on in my life. I, I'd like to be dedicated to, to, to prayer for sure, for sure. And, and all this negativity kind of, kind, of, kind, of, kind of comes to our hearts, right? If you're feeling some of that, you're, you're normal. And if you're not feeling any of that, I don't, maybe you really are just, just thriving your prayer life for the, all these years, but that's really hard to do, right? I would just encourage you to just kind of really question, if, are you really praying the way that you ought to be praying? Because most of us feel that we could be praying more. Most of us feel that we could be more dedicated to prayer. And that's why Paul is asking us, be, devote yourselves to prayer, because it's hard. Be watchful and thankful. Obvious question, be watchful and thankful for what? Well, for what God is up to, for what God is doing. I believe that prayerful people, they get into their cars in the morning, wherever they're going, and, and they think to themselves as they're waiting for their car to warm up, they, they, they pray, God, use me today, wherever it is that I'm going. When, when, they, when they get to work or when they get to school or wherever it is that they, that they are at home or, or running errands, whatever it is that they're doing, the prayerful people are saying, God, make me attuned to what you're up to, to what you are doing. Give me strength to participate, to join in what you, what you're, this redemptive work that, that you're doing in front of me. Help me to realize what's happening in front of me, God. Who are the people that need to hear from you, God? Prayerful people, they come to church. They enter into worshipful, worship spaces like this. And they say, God, speak to me tonight. Speak to me because I, I need to hear from you. And prayer for people, celebrate what God is doing. This is part of the watchfulness and the thankfulness. And when we get these practices going, when we start having some type of a rhythm to them, we discover that we become more and more devoted in our prayer life. I completely appreciate if you do not see yourself as a prayerful person. And I think that's a really honest and self-aware observation to make of oneself. But I would love to encourage you tonight as you, as you desire to grow in your prayer life, the key to a, a healthy and growing prayer life is, is desire. Like to desire to pray. It's not about performance. It's about the desire to pray and then of course the building that practice. It takes a little bit of discipline. And it also, you have to remember that no one bats a thousand in, in, in the idea of, of prayer life. So let us not let the disappointments, you know, sabotage us too much. Let, 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 us, let us use those disappointments as a reminder of the need to pray. But all that is part of our devotion. And Paul continues on with it. He says, and pray for us too. Not just pray for yourselves, but pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. I find this really interesting that, that the Apostle Paul, the architect of, of the New Testament, is saying, hey, to, to those of you who, who may not be uh, may not have as solid of an understanding of Christianity as I do, pray for us. Pray for me, because we need it. Like, I, I'm just really astonished that, that Paul is asking for prayer. Again, you may not see yourself as a prayerful, 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 prayerful. wow, that's even, it gets harder to say as the night goes on. You may not see yourself as a prayerful person. But I, I find it astonishing that, um, that, that Paul asks for the intercession. And, and what that should tell us is that the power of intercession is, is a lot more than we realize, that we cannot underestimate the power of intercession. We, we may not see ourselves as prayer warriors, but what, what, we, what we need to see is the power of God is, is available to those who pray, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, 
The power of God is available to those who pray, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey. So let us not be shy in asking one another for prayer. And let us not be shy in volunteering to pray for each other. Because God is at work in those moments, to be sure. So let us be prayerful. Our second posture is, is to be storytellers of the mystery of Christ. So we want to be prayerful and we want to be storytellers of the mystery of Christ. And, and I love how, how Paul frames this uh, in the next verse. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Here he's asking that, he's asking, he knows that God is going to hold him accountable and he knows that he's in a really tough situation. I mean, he is in a jail cell in Rome and he's saying that I may proclaim the mystery of Christ, that, that doors will open, that I will receive illumination, uh, that I will receive the right words, that I will receive clarity to say the right things at the right times. I would receive strength in, in moments of weakness. And I love this idea of, of, of mystery. I love that he calls us a mystery. Because I, I would love to convince us that, that the gospel is not a set of data. That the, 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 the gospel is not just information. Okay? It's not just X's and O's types of things. But the gospel is understanding that the person and, of Jesus and the love of Jesus and the salvation that he gives, and, and this cannot be owned. This is a mystery that continues to unfold and unravel. It is something that we, we grapple and work through all of our lives, and, and that is incredible. It's not about arguments and great like, principles of apologetics that like, you know, are, are surefire ways of getting people to believe in Jesus. It's not about that. I remember in, in, under, in undergrad, um, in, in one of the classes I took in undergraduate, um, there was this, there's this argument called, many of you are probably familiar with it, um, the Lord, liar, or lunatic argument of, of Jesus. And the, the idea is the, the type of person that Jesus was who went around saying the types of things that Jesus said uh, means that he could only have been a liar um, or a lunatic or the Lord. And, and when, I, when I heard it in, in the theology class, I was like, oh, that's good. And I was going to, I'll be, I was going to re, be returning to Christmas break to see some of my high school friends that I've been praying for for, for like years and years. And I like, because I, I love them, I wanted them to believe in Jesus. So I was like, you know, I'm going to use this when I go home for break. And, and, and hopefully it'll, it'll because it made so much sense to me in the theology class. So I went home and, and you know, caught up with my friends and I, I waited for what I thought was, you know, the, the most opportune time. You know, it was kind of like one of these late night conversations and it was getting more and more serious as the night went on. And I had these three friends, you know, we, 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 we knew each other very well. And we started talking about faith and life. And I said, hey guys, and I, and I unpacked this whole thing of Jesus, Lord, liar, or lunatic. And, and the one friend, you know, my, my, my most sincere friend said, well, I mean, I, I respect Jesus. I, I, I think he's a good guy. I mean, I think there's a lot of good guys in, in, ancient, you know, in, in the ancient world, right? Like, like Buddha and, um, you know, Muhammad and Aristotle and Socrates. And he kind of went on through this list. And I went like, but, but Jesus, but none of them claim to be the Lord. This argument, no, no, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to pick just one. I can't pick this one. My more sarcastic friend, who just would say anything just, just to get under my skin. Just, lunatic. He's a lunatic. Absolutely. And you're a bit of a lunatic yourself, Tim. I mean, like, this is, you know, and, and this is how we express our love to each other, you know, like, we're, this is how we knew we were friends, right? 
And we would try to, you know, we, we, we would debate all, all this stuff. And then my third friend, that, I remember this night very clearly, my, my third friend didn't engage at all. And, it, and, and the reason was because he had a terrible semester. He had a terrible semester. And like, while we were like kind of like debating and whatever, like he was kind of just hurting, you know, in, in, in this. And it took us a, a little bit to figure this out. Um, and, and we were, you know, 19-year-old guys. So like our, 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 our skills to encourage our, our friends, you know, who, who went through a tough semester weren't really as sharp as, um, as, as one would desire, you know, type of a thing. Fast forward eight years later, okay? The, the sarcastic friend gives me a call out of the blue one day. And he wants to talk about God. Now, he's, he's not just my sarcastic friend. He's also the friend that, that, that prides himself in, in calling himself an atheist because he, he knows that it really upsets his mom when he says that. Um, but he's, he was my you know, sarcastic atheist friend. And he wanted to talk about God. And as we were talking about it, and, and, and you know, by then, you know, you know, thankfully through the years, you, you learn to listen a little bit to what, what are people actually asking. And his whole big thing with, with Christianity was I the life is so complicated. The world is so big and evil is, is, is at work almost, you know, almost unchecked. Like, is this worldview enough? Because I still like to wonder, I'm still curious. And I wonder if, if God is really as close as you say he is. And so we were talking about this mystery of, of Jesus being near and far, of, of, of God being, you know, with us and, and also with everyone. And this idea of mercy and, and justice. And, and he, had, he had grown in a lot of ways over the years. And it was like this idea of mystery that was really helpful for the two of us. That we, we won't have it figured out. But that God is so big and so compelling and Jesus is so loving that it's going to take us a lifelong type of, type of amount of time to, to un, unravel this mystery. We must be storytellers, like Paul was, of this mystery of Christ. And, and, and not just look for the, the winning, closing arguments types of things. Our third point comes from, from verse 5. It says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So our third point is, be wise in our conversation with others. The need for wisdom. I mean, what... What great advice that is. We need to have wisdom, especially in how we act towards outsiders, towards non-believers in that, in, 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 in that sense. Paul's saying, hey, let's be intentional. Let's be strategic in how we talk to people beyond the walls of our church because there's a lot at stake here. And then making the most of every opportunity. The Greek translation is buying up every, every opportunity. Uh, the concept is about maximizing and, and, and stewarding and being completely faithful. Um, I got to hear Brian's message this morning, and, and I really liked how he framed this point, so I'm, I'm just going to just steal that whole thing from him. Um, he, he had this idea of, of you know, when, when you think of buying up every opportunity, it's probably best not to think of it in terms of a Black Friday shopper, you know, just going down the, the, you know, the aisle and just throwing all these things, buying up every opportunity. He says, probably better to think of it as, the type of person on December 26th that starts shopping for next year and, and, and every day is, 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 is methodical and, 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 th and thoughtful. And every day they think, you know, may maybe this person could use this and this person could use that. Oh, and this would be a good thing for this person, buying up every opportunity and, and not thinking to themselves, you know what, I'm just going to wait on that. I'm going to wait till a better time. 
No, 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 no. To buy up every opportunity then. And I, and I, I loved how he put that. Uh, this, this idea of faithfulness. This idea of stewardship. Buying up every opportunity. But I also love this, this, this idea of being wise and, and letting your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Because every now and then somebody says, oh, the Bible is like this old book that is not really helpful for today. And then you get a, like a line like this, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt. And, and I'm thinking to myself, maybe something similar that you're thinking to yourself, man, if only the conversations that we had access to online had a little bit more grace and a little bit more that, you know, that Christian salt type of a thing, because it's really ugly out there. Maybe some of the conversations that we're afraid are, that were going to happen you know, at our Thanksgiving dinner, hopefully they can be charged with this, this type of grace and, and this type of salt type of thing. Because today we're tempted to respond to others with less grace, to say the least, right? If I, if I can get you out of your, your, your church moment here and, and get you into your Tuesday late night looking at Facebook, reading the newspaper, having just talked to somebody that kind of like, you know, bugs you a little bit. Um, if I can just kind of get you like back in that reality just, just for a second. And when, when they say something that, to you that just triggers you a little bit, maybe you find it to be ignorant, maybe you find it to be hurtful, and you're just thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, I cannot believe what this person just said. If I, if I can get you in that, in that, in that moment. Because we're tempted to want to not respond in that moment with that type of grace, with people that we're family members with, people that we're friends with, people that we're Facebook friends with, right? You know, the person that's really annoying me right now um, is, is now that the election is over, they, they've revealed the people who are writing all like the fake news articles. So I'm mad at the fake news article writers and I'm mad at all the people who, who share the fake news. Uh, I'm not really mad, so if it's, if it's you, let, let, let's work it out. But I get, kind of am frustrated with that whole fake news you know, you know, type of a thing. And, and it's, it's those moments that you just, you just want to scream at the world, right? I mean, throughout this year, and especially like these past two weeks, have you not just wanted just to yell at the world? Am, am I alone in this? Or, or any, any, anyone want to yell at the world? A, a few of us? I mean, I, I mean it. And, and tonight, we are going to have our way, okay? Tonight, we are going to yell at the world, okay? I mean, we, we, we just want to let it out. I, I really think this will be a good cathartic expression for us. If you can just kind of just take all those frustrating moments that you've had online and in person and the anxiety that you have towards the holidays, okay? And on the count of three, we're just going to, yell, we're just going to get it out right here, okay? One, two, three. Wow, well done, well done, GC at night. That, I, mean, that, I mean, I wasn't actually expecting you guys to go through. Because I've asked you questions before and you guys have just kind of looked at me and just stared. And there's one person who, like, you know, who, who participates. That was excellent. More of that, GC at night. Oh, man. I, I, I was actually a little fearful. I, I was just a little, a little afraid of the rage that was, that was always... You know, when you, when you yell or, you know, when you go to the gym and, and, and you, 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 know, you run on a treadmill for a while or, you know, if you, if you punch a punching bag, yeah, you, you actually do feel a little bit better. But what's so frustrating is that you only feel better for like a split second, right? Every now and then you yell in the car, like, ah! 
And then you feel guilty like soon after, you know, you know, like, why am I, why am I yelling? Like, like what, what is going on with me? What, what has happened to my emotional fortitude right now? And what's wrong with this pastor who's encouraging us to yell in, in the middle of church? I, I really feel, you know, with, with this frustration that we have, you know, how, however we deal with it, if we really want to advance good in the world, it's not going to be by yelling at the world. That's not how the, the good is going to be advanced. It really is going to be about good, thoughtful, Christian types of people leading conversations that are going to be full of grace and seasoned with salt. I, I, I'm really compelled by this. And, and, I, and I really, really think that this is one of those really important times uh, for the church to kind of step up and lead these conversations. Because, like, you know, often it's tense. Often it's frustrating. Often you don't want to be the person that says the wrong thing, you know, at, at these tense filled times. And if we can just have a little bit of confidence in it, and I'm praying that God would give me the confidence in those moments too, to speak up in those moments and, and, and after appropriate listening. But there's also an appropriate time to, to say something and to speak with, with grace and with that salt and with that loving Christian type of, 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 of tone uh, that, 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 we, that we read about here. I, I really want to be on the, on the side of good things. And I know you do too. Because there is a level of disengagement that is happening in our society right now. I've been getting together with people for coffee these last two weeks. I've been having lunch with friends. Um, some of you here at GC at night, and if you're relatively new um, and we haven't connected, know that I would, I would, I would love to connect with you on, on this level too. But people are saying things like, I... I never want to go home for Thanksgiving. I, I always have to kind of like, you know, hold my breath a little bit. But then I do, and it's not so bad. But this year, this year I don't know if I can do it. This year I don't know if I can make it home for the holidays. Because it's not just like a, a, a one-day a one thing. It's, you're, you're going to be like a four or five-day thing. And I'm not really sure I, I got it in me this year. There's a level of disengagement that's happening um, all around us. People are not sure if they want to go home, see family, see friends, be around, be around others in, just to, to, in, in that way. There's also a level of disengagement that is happening, and we've talked about this before, online. This year has been the highest number of, of people unfriending each other on Facebook. The highest number this year. The highest number of people unfollowing each other from Twitter and Instagram, and the highest number of people just deactivating their social media accounts. This is the highest year. And, and the trend is because there is a cultural disengagement that is happening. And it's not just online, it's also happening relationally in, in person. And so we hear the withdrawal. And you don't have to be a, a forecaster to, to understand what's coming up next. There's going to be a coming loneliness for, for many people. That fear is not just going to go away. And there's going to be anger and there's going to be disappointment. And many of us, we're afraid of letting down our friends and we also don't want to lose our friends. And we don't want to add to their pain and we don't want for us to experience any more pain. These are indeed tough times and it's an opportunity for us as Christ followers to engage thoughtfully with, with a, a prayerful and a, a this, this storyteller sense and with like these words of wisdom that, that we can glean from here. I think of this exchange uh, with, with uh, Frodo and Gandalf uh, from the Lord of the Rings, when I, when I think of these tough times, uh, if, if you know the Lord of the Rings, uh, you know that Frodo has been, has been charged to, uh, to protect this, this all-powerful ring. And, and in a moment of frustration and pain, he says, I wish the ring had never come to me, and I wish none of this had happened. 
And then Gandalf, the, the wise wizard, wisely replies, So do all that live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. There are other forces at work in this world besides the will of evil. Oh man, these are indeed tough times. And it does feel like there, are, there is evil and there's uncertainty around us. But I really do believe that these are the times that people really need friends. This is a time for us to step up and engage. This is a time for us to show up. It's, it's, especially when it's tempting to not show up. To have the conversations that need to be had. I truly believe that the best thing about sharing our faith happens, uh, or the best ways to share our faith are not through pamphlets, but through natural and loving and healthy friendships. Not out of agenda, but just out of truly desiring to want to listen and care for the other. God has not asked us to, to sell the gospel or to close the deal on repentance. Instead, sharing faith and making disciples is not a cold, lifeless, transactional thing. Instead, sharing our faith is about sharing beauty, the beauty of God, sharing the truth of God, sharing the love of God, the hope of God. If I could offer you perhaps a better definition of evangelism, it would be this. Evangelism is telling the story of God's ultimate victory over the darkness in our world and in our own soul. It's telling the story of God's ultimate victory over the darkness in our world and in our own soul. I'd like to think I take friendship very seriously and, and you probably do too. But we probably, as, as those who take the gospel seriously, we, we're probably among the most qualified to, to, to share Christ with our friends. I, I think of my father's own spiritual journey and, and it's been a few years since I, I've, I've shared this story. Uh, but my, my, my dad grew up, my, both my parents grew up in, in Egypt and my dad had this kind of like this nominal intellectual you know, Christian faith. And it was during his college years that he, he became really close friends with, 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 with this one guy. And, and this, this guy was, I mean, just very fervent and very passionate about his Christian faith. And one of the things that really kind of ups, uh, would, would, um, would grieve my, my dad's friend was that my dad just kind of had this like pseudo-intellectual faith about Christianity. And, and a few years into their, you know, to their friendship in their college years, you know, to, especially towards the end, I think it was like during their senior year, my, my, my dad's friend ple was pleading with him. My dad tells a story. He was just pleading with me, like, I love Christ in, in a really meaningful way. And, and I was kind of just trying to, you know, distract him and kind of put him off. Like, no, I, I do love God. I, I do love God. No, 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 no. In a meaningful, like, truly heartfelt way. And, I, and as the conversation was going on, my dad realized, like, my friend is pleading with me. And there's something that, that is happening here. My friend really is, is caring about me. He's not just trying to win an, an argument here. My dad was like really moved by that. And, and it was that, that heartfelt expression of friendship that, 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 that made my dad really think like, you know, maybe my faith isn't what it, what it ought to be. And it was like through, through that, that time that, uh, that, that my dad would really start considering like what faith really was about and what it wasn't. And he would grow in his faith and, and he became like, as he would say, like, you know, a, a true Christian. And years later, he would, he would meet my mom, and my mom came from like a really wonderful Christian home. And she was praying for, for a, a, a good Christian man, and, um, and, and they, you know, they met and they connected. And I, I, I think of this, like how, how, that, how that conversation that he, they had in college has affected my life and the life of my siblings and, and, and our children and, and, and so on and so on, and all the people that they've met over the years. I see God at work at that. And I see God using a good friend in that. 
And I would love to, to demonstrate that as well in, in, in the ways that I can, and I'm sure you do too. But God does extraordinary things through friendship. I want to just return really quickly to, to the, the story that we were telling in the beginning of the night of, 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 of the guy at the, uh, the street corner at, in Harvard Square. Um, I, I told you, I asked him how his night was going, and he kind of gave me this like super religious type of answer. Um, and, um, you know, in, in those moments, I was like, you know, I'm not really sure we're going to be, become Facebook friends after, after, this, after this encounter type, type of a thing. Uh, but, like, I, I, I wanted to have some intentional conversation. Um, and so I, I was like, so how many people, you know, stop and, and do you talk to on, on a given night? And he said, oh, a few, a few. Uh, I mean, how many times, like, do you, do you, like, you know, pray with people? I was trying to ask with as much sincerity as, as I could. How many times, like, do you pray with people to accept Christ as their Savior on, on, on a given night? It rarely happens. Um, and, and, I, and I felt I didn't really have, you know, his, his, his attention, you know his, you know, his undivided attention. He was still kind of handing out flyers as, as, we, were, as we were talking. Um, and, and, and I said, well, I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian, too. And, and I, I just, I'm just trying to figure this out a little bit. He's like, if you're a Christian too, then, then why aren't you out here helping me? Yeah, and, and so we were, you know, it, it was like that, right? And one of the things I was like, well, I'm not really sure about your approach. Like, I, I see, you know, you, you're saying all these things about the wrath of God and repent or burn in hell and, and, and these sort of, sort of things. And, and no offense, but this is the, one of the ugliest pamphlets I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> it just does not endear me to love Jesus in, in any way. I know you didn't make it. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Um, and, and, and that was like the only moment when he said, yeah, these pamphlets are ugly. Like, like that, was, that was like, oh, we got a chance. We got a chance. And we, for a few minutes, we had a conversation about like the wrath of God versus the love of God. And in his heart, he was feeling that he just needed to warn as many people as possible that the wrath of God was coming. And I was trying to make the point that we'll probably do a better job encouraging people outside the world to, to, to see the love of God more, more, more than just try to scare them in, into believing. And we, we talked for a few minutes after that and he kind of politely said to me something to the effect of, I'll think about that. Which I didn't know meant like go away now or you really will sincerely think about that. I, it, was, it was hard to tell to be honest with you. And, and I, I thought about that for a really long time, that, that encounter. And, and it pushed me even further into this idea of, you know, probably not a whole lot of people are not going to make a whole lot of lifelong decisions you know, with the street corner. And I'm not really sure how many people are going to fully reject Christ uh, because they've, they've walked through you know, like these, these types of things. This, this has been happening for a hundred and so you know, years, if not more, right? Um, and thank God people are still coming to Christ as a result. But it, but it did, it did make me think about how intentional I and we need to be about the, the conversations that we were having with people the engagement uh, of, of life around us. Because um, I would really hate to think that, you know, the last thing or, or the, the most that people hear about Jesus is coming from the street corner. In some ways, I, would, I wouldn't mind driving the street corner preacher out of business so they're forced to sell mattresses, you know, if you will. Like, I, I would love for the Christian witness to be so strong that there just would not be a need, you know, for, for, that, for that type of evangelism type of a thing. Now, maybe, maybe God has done extraordinary things on that street corner, and I, and I want to be careful with, with, with that. Um, but I would love for us, to, again, to take friendship and stewardship as seriously as we can. Because our lives intersect with so many different people. And, and if we can steward and be faithful with that, I truly think the world would look a little bit different. So these three postures of sharing our faith 
without scaring our friends. Again, they look like this. To be prayerful, to be storytellers of the mystery of Christ, to be wise in our conversations with others. I truly hope that here at GC at night, because I, I truly love this service and I truly love this community of people, I hope that we could be people who, who resonate with this and who, who practice this. I would love to see GC at night become a place of belonging because it is so hard to connect in, in this world. I would love to see people invite their friends here and say, this is a safe place. This is a place where you can kind of be yourself and, and hear a little bit more about the Christian message. But I don't want GC at night just to be a destination either. I would love for us to be a community of people who, who live out this stuff from Monday through Saturday. I would love for us to be a worshipful community, a, a serving community, but, but, but also a, a community that is out, out, in, out in the world mission, uh, be, uh, living on mission type of a community. And I really believe that we can do that. Because again, I, I love this idea of evangelism. Evangelism, again, is telling the story of God's ultimate victory over the darkness in our world and in our own soul. And I truly believe that people are looking for that. People are trying to make sense of the darkness, not just out in the world, but also of what is going on within. And I truly believe that it is through Christ that they can experience this light, they can experience this hope, they can experience this love and this forgiveness. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that either. Would you pray with me? Our Lord God, we, we do come to you with a lot of different thoughts on our minds. But we do ask, Lord, that you'd give us the strength to, to be faithful in, in being faithful proclaimers of this incredible news. We thank you for, for the gospel. We thank you for this news of Christ dying for our sins and coming back to life, being raised to life. And, and this faith that we have in that work saves us and forgives us. We thank you, Lord, for showing us what life looks like in this world and in, in, in the next so give us courage, give us boldness, and give us the, the words to say at the right time, Lord. And sometimes the, just the moment just to listen at the right time. Give, give us wisdom in that as well. But I pray, Lord, that you'd be with my friends as, as we leave this space and, and desire to build your kingdom in a way that truly glorifies you and helps others. So in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. Mm -hmm.